Welcome to Face Your Faith. We hope this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. Today we are going to look at the perfect gift, the best Christmas gift that anyone could ever ask for. And this week of Christmas is a great time to look at the deep reality of why we do what we do each year on December 25th. Before we move on, however, it is important to note that while we recognize Christ's birth in December and always on the 25th, it is highly unlikely, according to historians, Bible scholars, and from what we can ascertain from the Bible ourselves, that Jesus would have been born in the winter months. Significant evidence from Luke 2 tells us that shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. From all accounts, the shepherds would not be out in the fields in December in Palestine, as the nighttime temperatures for that region at this time of year are in the low 20s and 30s, or negative 4 to 0 Celsius, and there is also a fair bit of precipitation during this time of year. So this likely leaves us with Jesus being born during a warmer time of year. And other historical findings would also strongly suggest that traveling for the census, as Mary and Joseph did, would have been extremely difficult in winter, which would be another good indication that Jesus was not born in December. So then why do we celebrate the birth of Christ in December with lights and trees and all sorts of stuff? It is very likely to coincide with the celebration of the winter solstice, which celebrates the sun god during the month of December. With regard to the evergreen entering the home as decoration, this was first described as being part of ancient Egyptian, Roman, and Northern European rituals to keep evil spirits and illnesses away, along with other ritualistic practices during the winter months. In the 16th century, the Christmas tree was introduced by the Germans and slowly spread across the world as a Christian symbol of Christmas. It was, however, not until the late 1890s and early 1900s that the Christmas tree even became something of interest in America. We can see quite clearly that all of this decorating, celebrating, partying, gift-giving is not remotely biblical and nothing God desires of us. Yet, we put billions of dollars and an incredible amount of time and money annually into this extravaganza. Ironically, more money and time goes into something God never asked for or required of us than it does furthering His kingdom and properly decorating our lives for His glory and honor. With this, we now have a pretty good background knowledge on the history of what we are doing and how we need to put all of this into context today. Please don't take my word for any of this. Don't agree or disagree with what I have said and will say in this message. I am not the one you are to listen to. This is between you and God and what you know is or is not God honoring in your life. Let me also point out I am not against decorating for Christmas. My intent here is to point out clearly why we do what we do how we do what we do, and what we make of it as it relates to our lives in Jesus. So let's start by eliminating the need for any further discussion on when Jesus was or wasn't born, because when Jesus was born on whatever day, on whatever month, and exactly what year is completely irrelevant. Christians, believers, 
only need to focus on one thing. He, Jesus, was born in exactly the right place at exactly the right time to accomplish exactly the right things for exactly the right amount of time until he died in exactly the right place at exactly the right time and all to provide exactly the right gift. Unfortunately for most people, however, Christmas becomes or is in earnest about the trappings, not Christ. Yes, even for those who claim Christ as the reason for the season. Yes, even many churches. If you doubt this, do a test. Don't decorate for Christmas next year. Don't attend Christmas parties or send cards. Or instead, put up your Christmas decorations for Easter next year and celebrate Christmas then. If you struggle over either of these options, it's only reasonable to ask yourself how focused you are on what God did through Christ and acknowledging God or the very short history of this magical time of year and fitting in with the world and because it's just the right thing to do. So the question is, are hundreds of twisted, knotted, stranded, twinkling lights lighting up your life? Are you buried in green plastic pine and telling yourself that it represents life and light in a gray, dormant time of year to celebrate God's birth? Do you try to make it even more religious and less secular with a nativity scene and angels and advent candles and other religious symbols all while attempting to somehow spin and explain that Christmas trees and lights and wreaths and ribbon and gifts and all the different things are all great icons for Christians honoring Christ's birth. Again, if we truly claim we desire to follow hard after God, this isn't anything he asked us to do. And by now, you might not be happy at all with my insinuating that a holy, holly, joy-filled, jolly Christmas is humbug and not at all what Christmas is about. Again, this isn't my opinion or my half-baked idea, as I mentioned earlier, or negativity over a time of year. Again, I truly love to acknowledge and prepare for, and yes, to decorate for Christmas. However, none of this glitz, glow, greenery, and giving is at all God's desire for us. It is all, however, 100% ours and 100% secular, and we cannot explain the Bible away if we are being honest with God. So let's get real. And let's unwrap what Christmas really must look like, according to God, in the life of a believer, and what the world must see lighting up and decorating our lives and our homes. We are going to go step-by-step step through God's Word, His decorating guidelines, and see how we need to decorate. Please stick with me to the conclusion of this message, however, as there will be a comforting surprise, I believe, for just about everyone. I think a great place to start is with our lighting and to make sure it all works. I have made that mistake a number of times, not taking the time to check the lights and then having to remove them from the tree. So let's start properly. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Step back, Edison and GE. Looks like someone beat you to lighting up the world. And what's more, this is the most energy-efficient 
no carbon footprint light the Earth will ever have. In fact, not only does this light not consume energy, it gives endless energy and in abundance. What more do you need than that? The problem, however, is this light gets monotonous because it's always on and always the same. And so we stop noticing just how amazing, how bright, and how beautiful this perfect light really is. Don't forget this first mention of light in this passage of Genesis is not the sun. It is the presence of God and his light separating good and evil. Let's keep going and looking at more on proper lighting. John 8, 12. I, Jesus, am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. More proof. God lit the world, and it is indeed life-giving light. Isn't it fascinating that plants, for example, always do best in their natural habitat? No matter how hard we try to recreate the original habitat in a fake environment, it will never be the original, and the plant generally suffers or needs an extraordinary amount of care to live in that fake, man-made existence and environment. That sounds just like where most of us are living our lives right now, doesn't it? In the fake, man-made environment and outside of where God intends for us to be, his original place for us. And when we live in the dark or the indirect lighting of God's light and our own created environment, we suffer and, yes, often die. Isn't this the reason for his birth? Isn't this the reason for Christmas? I know, so dark and dismal for a Christmas message, but don't forget the light of the world lived to take on our fake dark life and our man-made unnatural environment, and he came to suffer, wither, and die himself on our behalf, so we would keep living. And that sounds like a joy-filled Christmas message after all. Don't forget, no pain, no gain. How about we dig further into our lighting? John 1.5 the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that what so many of us enjoy at Christmas time? All the lights to cut through the darkness. So perhaps we need to stop gazing at the man made light and start staring into the light of our Savior. We go on, 1 John 1 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Continuing Matthew 5:16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Isn't it great? God just told us to string up the light, His light, so all can see it shining and twinkling inside and outside of our lives, and whether we are inside or outside of our homes. I think many of our loved ones would prefer to see God truly shining through us this Christmas as a gift than who we really are most other times of the year. Just a thought. And we will see in the next passage that if we decorate our lives with this amazing light, people will want to hang out with us and come to us because it is so amazingly beautiful. With this light, we sparkle with the love of God. What a perfect gift for us to have and to receive from God and for us to give away. Continuing 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light, as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And let's look again. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The Christmas story right here again. Born to die. Christmas for Easter. Life for death and all for us to live in the majestic light of salvation for everyone to see. Are you letting that light shine? Now that we have the lights ready to go, we need to finish our decorating. So let's see about the tree. And let's start with a really good, healthy tree that is full of life. John 15:5. I, Jesus, am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And while this analogy from Jesus is describing a grapevine, the analogy works flawlessly with a tree. In other words, I, Jesus, am the trunk, and you are the branches. Apart from me, the trunk, you, the branches, are worthless. Taking this analogy further still, I am the trunk that supports the life and the light, the power that holds the life and power to light the branches. Sounds like a pre-lit tree, shining brilliantly from the inside out. Sounds like a tree of life. Now on to the ornaments. You will now need to pull out the following ornaments to hang on your tree. You know, the ones we keep boxed up most of the year and the ones we only show people we like and trust. Remember, we are required to decorate for everyone. We are required to adorn our lives richly according to God allowing him to hand us the ornaments that we wear with all the preciousness that he gives us. And just what are those ornaments we are to wear all around, top to bottom? Love, joy, peace, hope, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, humility, compassion, honor, virtue, knowledge, wisdom, steadfastness, perseverance, endurance, mercy, sincerity, forgiveness, faith, respect, godliness, purity, and rejoicing. Ah, yes, now that looks absolutely beautiful. What a life, what a tree. And when we allow God to adorn our lives in this way, we will be so very much alive, beautiful, full, and worthy of God, and represent God for all to see Him through us. And it doesn't get more grand than this. But for some of us, if not many, this time of year is very difficult as we struggle with our lives not looking so beautiful or complete. If you are in this position, or even if you think you are not, we should all examine and examine carefully with God what we really look like. Again, plastic trees can look very real, but they could not be more fake. Ezekiel 17:24 says, And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, that's the fake tree, and make high the low tree, that's the authentic tree. Dry up the green tree, that's the self-centered tree, and make the dry tree flourish, that's the humble tree. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do this. With this, let's keep in mind that when we cut or allow the world to cut our lives off from the root of life, God, and put our lives, the tree, in a fake environment, 
it quickly dies. Even if you keep plenty of water in the base, such as the church, Bible reading, Bible study, praying, etc., it still dries up because we simply cannot absorb the life-giving water, the nutrients apart from its roots, the root of life, God. And this is what we as believers so often look like, a dying or dead tree with burnt out lights and broken and missing decorations, no longer drawing up the life-giving water. And the world looks at us and sees us exactly for who we are, pretending to be alive and pretty and functional, instead of admitting we need to get reconnected to the root of life and planted firmly back in the God-made environment. Perhaps this Christmas, many of us need to get reconnected with God so we stop dropping the pieces of our dried up lives in a pile around us for others to sweep up and get grafted back to the source of our true existence, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 7:18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And when we are connected and planted and well-rooted, we can be assured of this. Matthew 5:14, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So go decorate. Just remember not to bask in the wrong light. Let's pray. Loving, most merciful, and giving Father, glory to the newborn King, God and sinners reconciled. Thank you for the amazing gift of your Son, born that we may die no more, born to give us second birth, a rebirth into a godly inheritance an inheritance with you for eternity. Thank you for the sacrifice you gave us and help us to never forget that this celebration is not for today or for this month, but a daily display of how we celebrate you. And we ask this in the name of our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now let us close as we recall our Christmas present from God. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And to each of you, a very Merry Christmas. If you are joining us by podcast, please visit our website at faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources.